Welcome to the Center in the City podcast. I'm your host, Wade Brill, and during this series, I'll be interviewing various thought leaders, wellness experts, and humans on how they practice sustainable self-care and mindfulness. We'll get real and raw, talk about the light and the shadow side of self-care and mindfulness, and how we can actually stay centered amid the chaos and the hustle and bustle of our modern day world. So settle in and get centered. This podcast episode is brought to you by Centered in the City, a virtual on-demand self-care and mindfulness platform with over 200 different meditations, journaling prompts, nourishing recipes, and Pilates flows, all designed to support you feeling calm, focused, and energized as you live your life in this modern day world. For more information, head on over to centeredinthecity.org and claim your seven-day free trial. Welcome back to the Centered in the City podcast. Ah, Today, we are exploring the craft of writing, not just writing in our journal, but how to be intentional when writing emails and just using writing as an art form to connect to our intuition, to connect to what we're authentically trying to communicate. I'm really excited to have Jacqueline Fish on the podcast, who is an author, a copywriter, a writing coach, and founder of the Intuitive Writing School. She helps creatives move past writing blocks and perfectionism so they can finish their important work, and she supports business owners finding their authentic voice so that they can make an impact on the world. Jacqueline also just published her book, Intuitive Writing, The Remedy for Writer's Block and the Secret to Authentic Communication. I am personally going through a phase of not just writer's block, but writer's resistance. And I've been sitting with this for a lot. So I am excited to have Jack on the podcast so we can have an authentic conversation around the practice of writing. Journaling is something that we talk about at Centered in the City about creating practice around journaling, something that gets to be a mindfulness practice for people. And it's interesting because I emphasize at Centered in the City when we're building rituals for ourselves, when we're building these mindful moment practices, that having something consistent can be really helpful as an anchor. And for me, currently at this stage of life, my meditation practice, my morning meditation practice has been that ritual. For others, it might be their writing practice, or it might be their mindful cooking or mindful eating practice, or the mindful movement practice. We don't necessarily have to have all of them in our lives every day. That's a lot to ask for. For me, I'm noticing at this phase of my life that a writing practice is something I'm really welcoming back in, that I do want that consistency for many reasons, not just because of some creative writing book projects that I'm working on, but because my soul is craving to be expressed through writing right now. As you listen to today's podcast episode on a walk or cozy in your own space, I welcome you to think about how writing gets to show up for you in your life. Let's settle in. And let's get centered. Jack, welcome to the Center in the City podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to chat with you today. I want to kick us off by having you share your current and maybe your favorite 
centering practice, whatever that means to you? That's a great question. I have lots of them and it really depends on the day. <laughs> it depends on the day and the energy and where I am. And how do you choose? I, I know. Great question. And I, while I, I sometimes tend to blame being a Libra <laughs> for being indecisive and having so many options. I'm like, I see all the sides. I need to, I know I need to stop doing that. So I'll stick with a couple, um, putting my feet on the ground, both feet outside. That's a big one. That's probably one of my favorites, especially if I'm traveling or away, anywhere away from home, getting, getting recentered. Otherwise my other simple favorite deep breath and let's do three. Cause I like round numbers of three <laughs> morning pages. So that stream of consciousness, three, pages of writing morning pages, the term coined by Julia Cameron. If your listeners are unfamiliar from the artist's way, it's just getting the junk out of your head first thing in the morning. And that that's probably my favorite. That's probably my go-to where the others are more supplemental. Mm, awesome. Yeah. It's interesting because we all have our bag of tricks and sometimes I know people can get stuck with like, what do I do now? You know, or what, what, what does today want? And being able to even just pull out one of our practices to yes. just notice when we need that practice or to do it proactively because we know we'll need it at some point yeah, later yeah. that day. It's interesting because this is one of the reasons I created the Center in the City platform is because I wanted people to have one centered space that had these holistic practices where they could just pop in if they didn't know what they needed and have a process that could support them asking them, how do they want to feel in this moment? Or do they want to move, meditate, journal, nourish, and then have these plethora of resources to get centered right at their fingertips. It is such a radical act for us to practice these mindful moments to help us get centered. That's um, a great point. You know, morning pages process, this has come up a lot in the podcast and various interviews around a great way to tap into creativity. And as you said, just get the junk out of the head. And I notice sometimes like when I'm meditating in the morning, because that's a consistent practice that I'm connected and committed to is sometimes it takes a while for me to just like settle in because the mind is really busy. Yes. And so just when you were sharing like three pages to get the gunk out of the head, I was like, oh, ah, like that's kind of what's happening to me in the beginning of my practice. It's like letting the dust settle, like letting that snow globe yes. flurries just settle to the ground. And it takes time and space. And I think some of us, especially within meditation, think like, oh, I am not good at this because within the first few minutes, the flurries just are right. so distracting. Yeah, that's such a great reminder. And a great reminder that we don't go from zero to 100, or I mean, 100 to zero, I guess, whichever way you look at it, and whatever our grounding practice is, depending on what was going on right before, how you slept, how you ate, what's going on outside, the weather, your pets, your family, whatever's going on, it might take a little while longer to get there. And I think that's also where we can tend to judge ourselves and look at, well, last week I settled so easily. Why is it so hard for me this week? And then we are hard on ourselves. Yes. Every day is different. Yes. And every day is also 
and every moment is an opportunity to begin again, like bring pen back to paper or bring our attention back to our breath and just meet ourselves right where we are. And I'm excited to talk to you about writing because writing practice has been something, I've always been a big journaler. We talk about journaling a lot within Center in the City, but I'm even just in my own time of life where I'm trying to create more of a consistent writing practice. I just mm-hmm. finished the book, Writing Down the Bones by oh. Natalie Goldman, I believe is her name. And she just emphasizes writing practice, writing practice, writing practice, writing practice, which is similar to what you talk about in your book, Intuitive Writing, which I'm excited to talk about today. I want to begin by just even sharing with us, like, what does intuition mean to you? Like, where does that word for you come in to then frame your whole book around it and then your whole school of writing around it? Intuition to me is that innate knowing, however that knowing appears to you. So I say appear because that means it might be visual to you. Everyone gets, everyone hears and feels their intuition differently. So you might have a clear knowing. You might have visuals. You might see pictures. You might hear things or hear sounds or voices. For me, it comes as a knowing, which is, it's challenging to explain to people where I'm like, we just need to go this way. (laughs) Why? Well, because I just know. (laughs) Just listen to me. Just trust me, okay? So it's hard to articulate to others. And I really equate intuition, especially when it comes to writing, as being in our bodies, being fully present, which is also, it's helpful to contrast what the opposite of intuition is when you're writing. I see that as overthinking, procrastination, perfectionism, getting all up in our heads, trying to think our way there to whatever we're writing, a a hard email, (laughs) like whatever that is. And when what we really need to do is tune that out, I almost picture it sometimes as taking our brains out of our head for a minute and just putting it beside ourselves on the desk so that we can say what we need to say. And then of course, edit from there. But there's also, there's also a point where writing and editing get jumbled up together and people try to do them at the same time. And that's where I think intuition stops working. Not stops working, but it's like takes a back seat when we're thinking too much. Yeah, if we rewind, to what you shared in the beginning. I'm curious to know more about, because there's some listeners that might be like, okay, but my knowing is in my mind. Like my knowing isn't in my body. Mm-hmm. And for you, like, how do you work with your writers to get them out of their heads and more into their bodies? Because I know our egos can sometimes be very tricky and, pretend, and like make us think that that's our intuition and our knowing when it really isn't. Yes, it's a practice. I can usually sense when someone I'm working with and my clients are, they're usually business owners or they're in a corporate career and they're starting a business or they have a big writing project. I can usually detect when they're in their heads, when they ask 30 questions <laughs> and they haven't done any work yet like any of the writing work. So this might sound like, I get this DM quite frequently on Instagram. How do I market my book? I'm like, awesome. How's your book coming? Like, have you started writing it yet? 
you can probably guess what the answer is. <laughs> no, they haven't even thought about it. So it usually comes down to action. And yes, our minds are amazing and brilliant and we need them. And our ego also needs to be in check. I, I think it's helpful to keep in mind when we're writing. Usually what's helpful is if you think to a particular thing you had to write recently and the words came out. You didn't have to spend time finding them or digging for them or research. Research is a totally different thing. You sat down, you composed the email, wrote the draft or whatever you were writing, and it came out. Not a lot of thinking. Yes, you'll probably go back and edit, which I almost always suggest anyway. And then there's probably the times in contrast where writing feels slow, forced, and you feel your shoulders creeping up. So it's part paying attention to what's happening in the moment when you're writing. How are you feeling in the moment? Are you stressed? Even asking questions about what it is you're looking at that piece of writing to do for you. Like, I need to convince someone of this. I need to tell someone they're wrong. I need to set a boundary. Like, what's your initial goal going into it? And, and how do you want to feel? I think the, the feeling part of writing is often overlooked, especially when it comes to angry typing. <laughs> or like, I'm just going to tell this person I'm tired of this email cycle where this is our 10th communication back and forth. So I'm just going to hit my keyboard keys really hard and, and hope they feel this. <laughs> not a great place to write from because when we're coming from that energy they, they pick it up on the other side and I think that's where that's where the intuition comes in and pausing to feel like okay maybe I need to take a breath and ground myself before I send this message like what do I need to do to move this other energy out if it's negative before before we write because our reader our reader picks up on it Okay. So slowing down, I'm hearing, taking that chance to even like, okay, if we need to get the strong emotions out on, on the page to even just pause after we've written yes. down before we send it or share it into the world, into the universe. Yep. A hundred percent. Even if you're going to write something to someone and not send it, <laughs> if you need to get those emotions out, that, I think that's also where journaling comes in handy. Taking a couple minutes scribble down what you're feeling on the page, let it out, let it go, make peace with it, and then come back from a centered, calm, and grounded place and, and start from there. And you'll feel that in your body. Like, yeah. are you breathing? I think that's probably the, the biggest thing I notice. I notice it in my own work. I'm like, oh, I haven't taken a deep breath and I don't know how long. Like, how, how good do I expect my work to be when I'm not even breathing? <laughs> Right. That pause to kind of check back in with ourselves can take us out of our head, out of the ego and back into the body and back to a place where maybe it's more possible to connect to our intuition. Yeah. hundred percent. I think that the ego also creeps in, in the writing where, where you might sense you're trying to prove something or convince and, and considering your reader, who's the recipient of your message? Like, what is it you are trying to do? Are you trying to find something mutually beneficial for both of you? Are you trying to sell something to them, sell them an, an idea? 
what is that? And where is your ego getting tangled up in that? And that's where ego can, I think it dampens our message. And that's when our writing feels stifled and contrived because it's, that's how ego writes. But our intuitive selves know how to authentically say what we need to say. I want to circle to, you brought up email, and I think this is juicy because when people are emailing in the corporate space, the idea of selling, I'm trying to sell my idea to you, right, or push my idea or or the strategy forward, the ego can be really strong in, in corporate interactions with email exchanges. And I feel like there are people who might be listening that are like, isn't that a good thing? You know, don't I want to be leading with my ego, what would you say to that? I love that. Something we used to do, so I worked in the corporate communications world. I did crisis communications at BlackBerry and I would take the technical statements of whenever the service would go down, I would talk to the engineers and turn it into something English. <laughs> now, as an engineer who created this technology, of course they want to protect what they built and it needs to sound a certain way. So the saying we used to have in the crisis communications world was start with the truth and then edit. So I also wanna clarify that does not mean edit the truth out. <laughs> the truth needs to be there. Start with the truth, whether you do this in an email, if you do this in an email and you, I recommend this for any important email you send, draft the email, even if you're doing it right in your email software, Fill in the recipients last, just in case you hit send by accident. I know we can yes. have delayed send and all those things. <laughs> delayed send helps too. I do both. <laughs> or do it in a Google Doc or a Word Doc or something else. Get that out however you want to say it and then come back to it. And yes, selling someone on your ideas, there's, there's still a way to do that that feels authentic to you, where you read your message over and you're like, are these the actual words I would use? Am I being honest here? Can I be more honest? Can I add a layer of where I'm coming from? And, and a lot of it depends on your recipient when it comes to email as well, especially if you're, you're trying to sell something like convince, tell, tell a story, get an idea across so that you can get what you want. And I, I don't mean that in a... <laughs> I need to get what I want kind of way. You know what I mean? Yeah. I love that strategy for email writing because it's like, get, get out again, this freedom to express yourself, but then let's pause. And as you said, edit with maybe a little bit more of a discerning eye, one that's tailored. It sounds like to what is your intention? What are you wanting to get out of this email or this communication? And then also, um, making sure it feels authentic. So asking yourself, how's the language, word choice? And then also sounds like checking the ego, making sure that the ego is not the one leading. Yes, yes. Also with email, what's helpful when you're writing emails where you're you're aiming to, I don't wanna say get your side across, that feels very ego-y. <laughs> like make your point, set your boundary, if there is an email thread happening and you're responding to someone, this is also where we put our way of communicating aside and communicate like them. 
So it can be as simple as whatever their greeting was to you in their most recent email, whether it was, hey, hello, hi, whatever that was, doing things like matching that and doing some slight mirroring of their language. And what that does, it helps people feel seen, heard, and understood. And when people feel seen, they're more likely to trust you. You're building rapport. And so a lot of that is, I think in the beginning, it's a conscious practice. There's definitely a thinking way to get your brain there to do those sorts of things. Over time, it becomes a habit and you don't even notice you're doing it. And, and I think empaths are especially strong at this where you're having a conversation with someone they're telling you what's going on and then you reflect their language back to them when you're talking to them so it's the same way in writing like using their words instead of yours because it's almost like speaking a different language where you're you're meeting them wherever they are it's great to emphasize creating that psychological safety in email Mm -hmm. writing is possible by mirroring the language, by helping people feel seen and acknowledged. I'm curious if we explore more of our own personal writing practice. Like for instance, I am, as I mentioned earlier, like trying to get into more of a consistent writing practice where it's not just about blog writing or for my community emails, but I am crafting a book in mind. And before I even go to book, I notice my perfectionist mind keeps me really small and it prevents me from even doing it. Mm. And I'm curious, how do we get to work with that perfectionist mind when it starts to chirp up when it comes to our writing? There's a lot, there's a lot tied up in perfectionism. And I definitely want to hear more about the your writing practices and and book and how you're bringing that all together. I think definitely having the idea that writing and editing are separate things. So we are, there's a couple things in there. We're never going to write a perfect anything. There is no such thing. You can look at any author, any blog writer, any report writer, anyone who writes anything, and someone will find something wrong with it. It doesn't matter. So knowing that perfectionism or, or perfect is a myth, it, it's impossible, literally impossible to meet something that's perfect. And to try to attain that is, is exhausting. Actually, when I was doing a little bit of research on perfectionism, I'm, I don't want to say obsessed. I'm fascinated with French culture. I love all things French. I grew up in Toronto, so we, um, in Canada, we, French is the second official language and we had to take it in school. I loved it, it was my favorite subject. And the idea of perfectionism, like if you tell someone in France, you're a perfectionist, they look at you with like a little bit of sadness and pity. Like, oh, I'm so sorry, like that sucks. (laughs) Like, why would you want to live your life that way? And that was such an aha moment for me of how, how culturally in, in the US, North America, that like perfectionism is, is this thing that we, we should pride ourselves on. And I used to do it. When I was in corporate, I used to say like, 
They say, what's your weakness? And I used to spin my weakness as perfectionism to sound like I was really smart and I was going <laughs> to do great work. Um, so one, it's impossible. The other thing I see with some of my clients is perfectionism is tied to other, other things not related to writing, past wounding, ideas about being not worthy, not being good enough, not being able to please a parent or caregiver, things like that. So I, I know that, and then perfectionism often leads to procrastination. Well, if I can't be perfect, I don't want to start. I don't want to do anything. It's easier to do nothing because then no one can criticize me this way. So this is also where I recommend people are doing the deep inner healing work so that they can come to the page. So it's, it's not that you're lazy or there's something wrong with you because you can't write. I think often there's, there's a block in the way, something that needs to be looked at and healed to get past perfectionism. Yeah. I so appreciate you calling those out the many facets. And it does remind me of just even supporting people, connecting to um, consistent like meditation practice. Like it feels very parallel to find a consistent writing practice. Yeah. And what trips us up for me doing a lot of work, cause I've been exploring this recently, like, huh, I thought I healed a lot of my perfectionism wounding. And it's a balance around feeling like I need to wait for this clarity to start writing. Right. And then also knowing, hey, Wade, you get clear by writing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, you know, I don't do it. And then it's just like, oh, and then the whole story spirals of, oh, you're continuing to not do it. And you're saying, you know, you're creating the excuses. And I think I label it as perfectionism because maybe that's even just like a defense mechanism for me to be like, oh, you know, there's some avoidance happening here in a practice that really, that you say, Wade, really matters to you. Yeah. Yeah. I can totally see that as a easy, not easy. It's a, a common thing to point at. Like, oh, this is my perfectionism. It's like, oh, really, I need to do some <laughs> some other healing work, which, as we know, is, sp- is a spiral. It's not a straight path, and we're never arrived. We're exactly. Never- it is always a journey. There's always a new layer to peel back and yeah. discover. How do you relate to writing as it's shifted a lot in the way that we communicate in our modern day world? For instance, social media or, you know, tweets being 140 characters or text messages now being a thing where people, coworkers are texting each other things versus even just using their Slack channels or Teams networks or emails have gotten shorter. Like how are, what what do you see as the effects of our what's happening with our writing and the way that we're communicating in this modern day world? Oh, that's a big question. Yeah, I can see so many, I can see some positives to that and some downsides. So I've always been a fan of brevity. Use however many words you need to get your point across. Like there's no need to write a thousand word email when you can do it in a hundred words. <laughs> and that's also, I think where editing comes in. You do your draft, if you can edit it down and get to the point and ask yourself, does my reader really need to know all this extra stuff? No, you can, you can take it out. So I think there's, there's definitely something to be said for an efficiency to how we communicate. 
And I think that's also where, I think we're starting to see this now and I think it's gonna become more, the need's gonna be stronger for more long form content. So yes, we have our text messages and Slack messages and they're great, love them, love a quick text, but we still love books. I mean, no one has stopped reading books. I mean, I don't know, maybe some people have in favor of podcasts or things like that, but that long form, long book, long podcast, being able to explore our way through and, and, and implement different things as we go. Like, I think there's a definitely different, a different need for it, but when it comes to getting our messages across, and it's, it depends, especially in, in the business context, we need to be efficient. I mean, what we're, we're told to anyway. <laughs> We have a limited time at the office and or remote wherever and we want to get our work done so we have a quick question which is also where you start to see the the greetings go away there's no more hey how was your weekend it's did you do this yet <laughs> and that can be jarring so I, I think that's something to pay attention to and notice you can probably flip through your recent text messages, Slack channel, see if that's how you've been communicating. And even notice if there, there might even be people that come to mind. We're like, oh, so-and-so does this all the time. And I wish they would just say good morning. <laughs> Why can't they say good morning? Um, and see if there's a chance to shift that, shift that in some places. I love that paying attention to how has efficiency kind of cut out the empathetic human connection uh, and how we can just even take a moment to understand ourselves and how we've been communicating by looking at our text messages or looking at our recent Slack messages to not judge ourselves, but just to curiously explore like, huh, have I been really quick or assumptive or, um, or cut out the humanness. And some people might look at it as fluff, but again, as you said, like think of the reader in mind, maybe Stacy, who you're sending that message to knows, you know, you know, she needs a little bit more tender, loving care. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe, you know, Jenny doesn't, but it's like just paying attention to the way that we express ourselves. I also love what you mentioned again, hitting this home. And for me, it's sinking into my body as, as you shared again, of just get out your thoughts on paper and then you can edit. But yeah. I think for a lot of us, it's just even getting to the paper part, right? Getting to that expression part. What like motivates you to write, to have a writing practice? I'm at the point now where I can't not write. I, I have to write. I've always been a, an internal processor. So I often need to sit with things or write about things before I know what I think or how I feel about things. Um, external processors on the flip hand, on the other side, might they might be the ones who get to an answer by talking their way there or talking things out. And I don't think we're one or the other. I, we flow between, between the two. So 
yes, I need to write. Also my motivation more than ever. So in 2017, I quit my corporate job to go full-time into my copywriting business. And I mean, even so in the corporate world and, and then even in my freelance copywriting business, I'm always writing for other people. I'm writing in their voice. I'm writing on behalf of my company. I'm writing a speech for the CEO, <laughs> whatever that is. And I'm like, wait, where is my writing? Like, where is my voice? And I think that's also where we can get tripped up because we're so used to writing for other people or writing for a certain outcome that we don't even know what we think anymore. So 100% morning pages, huge for this. Such a great practice to be able to hear yourself and get through that. But the writing my work, and this was where in 2017, I, I had the strong urge to start writing my first book, Unfussy Life. And I've been writing for everyone else, but my writing just kept sliding down my to-do list. I would put it on my list every day and I wouldn't do it. So, I mean, it, it was not a, a quick, oh, I just flipped the script and <laughs> now I get my writing done first thing every day. It took a long time. That book journey was three and a half years from start to publish. And the shift I had to make was putting my writing first. So, which I tried to do most days of the week, even if it's 30 minutes. So this is outside of journaling or morning pages. This is when I get to my desk, 30 minutes for me. And even when I was working in corporate, I would do 30 minutes to an hour on another project for myself. I had a blog. I've had a blog since 2012. Blogging, writing a book chapter, something like that for me, that was only for me and my voice became so important. And, and that's a habit that stuck. And it, for me, it needs to continue so I can continue strengthening my voice, saying what I need to say. Mm. So writing really is this entry point to finding your authentic expression, it sounds mm -hmm. like. And I know you have that little snippet of a story in your book, like the interaction with your husband, I forget what chapter it was, but where he was like, great piece, but that doesn't sound like you. <laughs> and kind of gave you that feedback. How do you handle that when something might feel authentic to you, but then somebody else is like, mm, that's, that's not you, or that's not how I experience you. Yeah. That conversation, as soon as you started talking about that, I knew exactly the conversation you're talking about. It stung. So I was like, what, what do you mean? And I think to some extent we are slightly different in different contexts. Like we're different with work people as we are at home. Like there's a different layer of relaxed. If we're talking to our spiritual friends, we use a different language. And I think this is like just the language we use in different contexts. And I, I think I think it's it's important to note anywhere in your life where you might be feeling inauthentic because that can carry over to other things, which I think it shows up almost always in our writing if we're not authentic at home or in this one specific relationship, where else is that showing up? So how to, how to figure that out? I think you could probably tell after your interactions with some of those people, like if you feel drained or tired or you, like 
you knew you had to say something else, but you held back. Those, those are clues that you might not be authentic across the board. And it actually circles back to what you shared around knowing your audience. You, one, tailors their expression to feel authentic, but depending on the community or who they're around, you might have to tone down the curse words or <laughs> um, leave out the woo-woo, right? But like, how do we then find our authentic voice then when we're writing, when we are just us, when it's like us in our page? Practice. We need to keep doing it. And I also know when it comes to sharing that writing, whether it's a blog, book, whatever, even social posts. Like if you scroll back to your very first social post or blog ever, most of us would probably cringe. Be like, oh, I can't believe I said that. Or, oh, look at my writing. I, I think it's important to know that our authentic voice is changing and evolving like us. It's not going to be one thing because we're constantly learning and growing. Of, of course, our voice is going to change. I hope it does. Like, I, I hope that it, it's evolving and adapting, changing as we dig, as we dig deeper. And I think the only way to see that is to consistently write and put it out there and, and trust that if it changes, that's fine because there's, there's people's writing, famous authors, maybe we like their old work, but we don't like their new stuff or vice versa, but it's okay. <laughs> there's there's still uh it doesn't matter that that person is not affected nor do they care yeah that reminds me of something that i've heard around getting into the practice like when we write even if it's writing specifically not in our journal like if we're just practicing some creative writing to write without the i'm going to publish this in mind mm -hmm. because that can show up and i think for me like i think that's where the perfectionist comes up of like if i think oh this is going to get published and this is going to go viral or future mind projections can take me out of my authentic voice. And yeah. so even just being mindful of all of that and just to write for the sake of expression. And I really ask myself, like, can I be as honest as I can right here? And to your point, we can always go back and edit if it doesn't feel appropriate or it feels too vulnerable. Yes. Yes, or unpublish or publish it later. Maybe it needs to sit for three months before you share it. Right, right. I so appreciate that. Jacqueline, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and expertise with us today. Where can people learn more about you and stay connected to your work? Thank you. You can find me on JacquelineFish.com and I also run TheIntuitiveWritingSchool.com where you'll find all my courses and community. And download or order your amazing book, Intuitive Writing. Yes. The Remedy for Writer's Block and the Secret to Authentic Communication. Yes, absolutely. I always forget to mention the book. It's like, yeah, I've mentioned the website. <laughs> I have a book too. I need to talk. I have to talk about it. It's like, it's funny. It's like you write it, you publish it. And you're like, I'm moving on. I'm making other stuff. Well, it's out there in the world and I really enjoyed reading it so far. I haven't finished it yet, but it's helping just create some more motivation and structure and permission to get back to my writing practice. So thank you. I love it. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the Centered in the City podcast. 
I would love to hear what resonates with you, what you're taking away from your personal and professional writing practice. Join Jack and I on Instagram at OneWade and at Intuitive Writing School. And let's continue the conversation. Let's support each other tapping into this beautiful art form of writing. Thanks so much for being here as always. And until next time, stay centered.